Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to the podcast. Edwin, what is our text today? We're back in Acts chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 again. This is from the English Standard Version, by the way. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was for him was made to God by the church. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. So, I mean, I had I had a direction I wanted to go on this here right after, but as we're reading this, something popped out at me that I've read a hundreds of times and not thought about this. What's that? This happened during the days of unleavened bread. Yeah. Which is right around the Passover. Mm-hmm. I mean, Passover and Unleavened Bread really kind of meld together right. as a festival for the Lord, for the Jews. And mm-hmm. I think about somebody else that died around yeah. the Unleavened the bread, bread, which, of course, That's is right. Jesus. That's right. And so I think about him bringing Peter out to the people, and it reminds me of the fact that Pilate had that tradition around the time of Unleavened Bread, mm. that he would leave up to the people uh, to release that's right, he did. A prisoner. Yeah. And so we've got, it's, it's that same time of year. Herod is going to be bringing Peter out to the people. I mean, I think we all know that where this is going is Herod wants to kill him. Herod believes the people want him to die. But it's like they're going through a very similar thing, uh, heading up for this very similar moment like we had with Jesus where Pilate brings them before the people. In, and Pilate was specifically hoping that they would let Jesus go. That's why he put him next to Barabbas. But yeah, you know, and even as you're saying that, it it kind of fires a thought in my mind, which is um, what an interesting time of year to try to uh, trouble the church anyway. Not just the annual custom of the government uh, trying to uh, free a a criminal at that time, or you know, show some some leniency. But I don't suppose that the Christians might have been doing a little extra preaching and talking around the days of unleavened bread. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> since, uh, no kidding. Since something else happened about that time, which was the death and resurrection of the Lord. No kidding. You know, I have never. That's so interesting that you bring that up. I have never even thought about how. Yeah, you would think that around that time of year they probably are saying this. Look, this is when it happened. 
Yeah. This is when it happened. It was right in these days that it happened. And so right in these days, we're going to see Peter delivered from death. Now, he does not die and no, get right. resurrected, but he is delivered from death right around that same time of year. Interesting. Well, and what a crushing time to uh, take out a leader like James. Oh, no kidding. You know, if, if this people group, the, these Christians are feeling good right now, uh, extra celebratory or something, well, we'll put a stop to that. And it pleased the Jews when mm-hmm. he did. And and God did not resurrect James. God did not resurrect James. You know, I, I've, I've never, and boy, I, I got to be careful here because I don't want to be thinking while we're recording, but it does. I thought I, that was exactly what we do. <laughs> <laughs> I try to think as little as possible. Oh, I see. <laughs> but, but, you know, here, here we've got, it's the same time of year as the mm-hmm. death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, we would we talked on Monday about how shocking it is to think about one of the Lord's apostles dying right. and being executed as a young man. I, we didn't mention this on on Monday, but, you know, I, I think about it when I consider that John was able to, his brother was able to live for so many more years. Right, right. I'm thinking that James probably was not all that old himself at this time. He'd have, he'd have probably been a younger man. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, younger than me, mm-hmm. I'm thinking. And uh, just how surprised we were at that. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there was some expectation maybe that he would be resurrected. But that doesn't that doesn't happen. That doesn't well, happen Well, that's all. true. I, it, it doesn't happen. There were some other people that have been raised from the dead, like Tabitha. But nobody goes and raises James from the dead either. Right. We, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, yeah, we did. I, <laughs> I, I, well, I don't want to guess. We, you know, yeah, let's well, not get sidetracked. Okay, well, so here's what. Go ahead. What were you going to. I was just going to say that, uh, okay, so Fiso and Love and Bread, but it's a terrible persecution coming down from King Herod upon the Christians. And talk about emotional highs and emotional lows, the the grief, the awful shock and numbness that comes with James, you know, just plucked from this earth before his time. It's violent. It's just wrong. Followed by the joy of Peter being delivered. Exactly. And then you've got Peter delivered. Miraculously, the angel comes and springs Peter. Uh, you know, if, if you're one of the people in the church, that's an emotional roller coaster. What if you're one of the apostles? Yeah. Well, okay, okay, yeah. So that's that's really what I was thinking about as we were getting started when reading it. I kind of veered off with that this thought. Let's not just think about one of the apostles. You know, there are two spe- specific apostles that that actually have pretty close relationships with these fellas. And it's a tight group of friends. Yeah. But both of these apostles have brothers that are apostles. That's right. So James has a brother named John. Peter has a brother named Andrew. So here you have these two apostles that have brothers. This is another one of those situations where I know this is not the reason this story is told. I know this is not the purpose for it, but it's it's something that I think of about every time I read this story. In Romans um, chapter what is it? Chapter twelve and verse fifteen, where Paul says we're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And I think about in this scenario, you've got Andrew, whose brother was delivered. And so Andrew has powerful reason to rejoice. Mm -hmm. And you've got John, whose brother was executed. And so we can understand he has good reason to mourn and to weep. Mm -hmm. But now Andrew, who has personal reason to rejoice, needs to weep with John. But also John, who has personal reason to weep, needs to also be able to rejoice 
with Andrew. I'm trying really hard to keep all these names straight because yeah, I know I'm going to get them wrong. But but John is the one who would be mourning naturally. Andrew's the one who would be rejoicing. And they need to be able to rejoice or weep with one another at the same time. It's an awkward time for empathy. Empathy is so important. It's what the body of Christ can provide for one another. Not only is it uh, an awkward time because you have these brothers and these apostles and, and again, I, I understand the, the blood kinship you're talking about. I can't help but think that the loss would be felt to some degree uh, among them, as well as the joy, because these apostles, I mean, they've been together before Jesus called them. They are already in a fishing business. They go way, way back. Um, but having said that, uh, in our darkest time, where can we turn to for support and for comfort at our greatest moments, who do we want to share that with? And I think it's our brothers and our sisters in Christ. I think it's this incredible fellowship and kingdom that the Lord has created on earth, his church. First Corinthians chapter 12, when mm-hmm. it talks about the body and all the different parts of the body that are fitted together by the Lord to make one body. And he says that he's composed the body. This is, I think, about verse 24, 25. He's composed the body so that they're all together so that each member will have the same care for one another. And then he goes on to describe that as when one member suffers, the others suffer with it. When mm-hmm. one honors, the others are honored, the others mm-hmm. rejoice. We see that same kind of thing here. It's just, it, yeah, it's I, tough. I was thinking about if I can manage to misquote C.S. Lewis one more time on this broadcast. <laughs> uh, well. In one of his books, <laughs> he, 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 was, he was talking about, he illustrated that with a toothache. And a pretty good illustration, really. That uh, explain well. I you, can, you can misquote, and I won't even know. On here's this, one, this. So go ahead. Here's this small, uh, you know, member of the body. This part of the body, a tooth, and yet if it is aching, you know, it it can just shut you down completely. Uh, if you've ever had a really bad dental problem, you know exactly what that's about. And and so the the idea of the the whole body of care and concern and rallying around this wounded member, uh, the love almost seems disproportionate, I guess, in size, but it's there. That's how the body works, and that's how the church should work. And even though for the most part in those those illustrations in the scripture it's referring to the church universal, I think it ends up getting practically worked out in the church local. Sure. And so we would see that in a congregation. You know what we're always going to have is these moments of unequal blessing, moments where one is suffering while others are rejoicing and vice versa. And it's going to go back and forth. I think that's something to be seen here is that while in this moment, John has personal reason for mourning and Andrew has personal reason for rejoicing, there's going to be another day where it's flip-flopped. Sure. And you know, I wish I could just say, now here's the five easy steps to be able to practice empathy in these awkward situations. I really can't. I'm not sure what the easy steps on it are. I'm just wanting to bring it to our mind that this is how the body works and these are the kind of situations we end up in, especially since God is not blessing everyone exactly the same and and has good reason not to because he is blessing the entire body by blessing certain individuals so they can then become channels of that blessing. So we expect it to be, if we can say, not evenly distributed at that personal level, but so we can then turn around and support and help one another and comfort one another and be children of consolation for each other in those moments. And if I was to point my finger to one activity that would facilitate that from today's reading in Acts 12, I think it would have to be prayer. 
I mean, here here the church is together, and they are praying, and they are praying. And I know we want to do another episode and, and kind of drill down on that. But just in the context, though, of this idea of being there to weep and being there to rejoice, okay, uh, that my suffering brother or my joyful brother, whether I can offer up thanksgivings on behalf of another or supplications, or laments. intercessions, laments on behalf of another, mm-hmm. they're in my heart because they're in my family in Christ. I'm going to pray for them, and that's one way that we can can serve that way. I guess one of the things I do want to see uh, as we're kind of winding down here is that this statement that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 12 is is not offered in a vacuum. You know, rarely is somebody else weeping or rejoicing while I am in an emotional vacuum. Sure. There's an interplay and an exchange of relationship and interdependence on one another. And we need to be prepared. Just because I am on a high and rejoicing doesn't mean I'm an exception to Romans 12 when I see my brother weeping. And just because I'm on a low and I'm weeping doesn't mean I'm an exception when I see my brother rejoicing. We need to... We need to yeah. fulfill this even in those moments. Getting that perspective that I'm not the center of the universe. It's not about me. Uh, it, it, it is the Lord who's at the center of the universe, and Very it's good. the Lord's church. You know, it's, it's not mine. Uh, having said that, though, we would love to know, are you weeping right now? Are you rejoicing right now? Send us an email. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. What are you reading uh, in the Word of God? Or what are you getting out of these podcasts or your scripture reading? We'd love to know. Send us a message. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. As uh, we wind up today, let's go to God in prayer. A great God and Father, Lord, we thank you for the day you've given us. We appreciate, Father, that we want to be mindful of our brothers and sisters in Christ, our friends and our neighbors. What are people going through around us? It's a challenging time. There are certainly people that are weeping and mourning right now, but there are those that rejoice. Help us, Father, to discern the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ, people around us, so that we can be there to comfort the mourning, so that we can be there to rejoice with those who rejoice. Lord, we know that you comfort us, and you bring us through every day and give us more than enough grace and mercy that we might be instruments of your grace to others. God, thank you for the day. We want to redeem it and use it for your glory. Bless us to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well.